And I call them devils, these kidney devils, right? This is any team, truthfully, I mean, it's hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down care at the moment, I, I do think it's kidney. Join myself, Will O'Callaghan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, you're very welcome along on this Tuesday evening. We have lots to get through. We were due a Formula One check-in anyway, but then Nelson Piquet, three-time world champion no less, and daughter to Max Verstappen's partner, has more than put his foot in his mouth, accused of racism towards Lewis Hamilton. We'll talk to Jess McFadden on the way around half past seven. After nine o'clock, the biographer of a new Johan Cruyff book is going to join us to chat all things Cruyff. Rich in detail, this biography, loads of uh, fascinating anecdotes and a, a great sense of the man that Cruyff was off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And then man of the moment, Podrick Harrington, between eight and nine, winner of the Senior US Open. On Sunday evening, he held off Steve Stricker. He will join us between eight and nine to chat all things golf, his own game, live golf, you name it. So Podrick Harrington with us between eight and nine. We're very happy to say ahead of the Irish Open this week. 53106 is the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy, hello. Hey, Joe. And Richie McCormick with us as well. Evening, Joe. That uh, Johan Cruyff book, by the way, gets the uh, the thumbs up from me so far. I've uh, I started it a couple of days ago, and I'm reading it. Usually, my thirty to forty page bursts. Yeah. Uh, lots of like really interesting detail in there so far. Um, there's a really shocking revelation inside like, the first twenty pages as well. I don't think I'll spoil it on anybody, but any animal lovers out there uh, might want to uh, skip over that page or two. It's dense. It's big. It is. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. And it isn't. It's like what. 400 500 pages but like yeah printing it is quite big in this edition that they brought out so so it's not it, quite Ulysses it, and it's not quite no. Ashley Cole's autobiography no, no. Uh, but it, it seemed it seemed thicker I remember seeing this in an air, in the airport in Amsterdam uh, three years ago uh, and it was massive like and I just I, like it looked uh, like a fascinating read from the get go and then I kind of did a bit of background on it and it had courted controversy yeah. over in the Netherlands over stuff that it revealed about Cruyff in his later life and to do with foundations and all that kind of thing um, but yeah like it, it's it's really detailed there's lots of great stuff in there so far anyway to the bits that I've gotten about his early days at Ajax and how essentially like he was he could see how he ended up with the ego that he did because he was coddled from a pretty early age by those around him specifically really because of his talent Mm. no very much so the reason we're talking to the biographer is that this book is about three or four years old as Richie says and did court controversy in the Netherlands but it's been translated into English this summer so hence uh, the reason to talk about it Uh, like for instance and it's not a salacious book by any means and as you no. said it's four or five hundred pages and what I'm about to mention is maybe a page a page and a half but as you can imagine it made big headlines so you know we'll, we'll chat later on to the biographer about his decision whether or not to include what he had heard about Cruyff's infidelity for instance and he made the decision to do it didn't go uh, and do it you know it wasn't like the chapter on, on this kind of a thing but naturally it makes headlines when it's serialised and so he took criticism for that as well and these are the tricky things when you're trying to do a biography which uh, speaks truth and, and is offering uh, I suppose a value for money if you're telling the potential reader I'm giving you what I've discovered here about this man uh, warts and all versus I don't know a certain respect for a line that everybody's probably entitled <coughs> to when it comes to their privacy and that's one of those grey areas I always think make it tricky especially when it's Johan Cruyff and it's the uh, you're not just 
uh, you know, walking that moral tightrope, you're also going up against like a true national hero, like yeah. the, like somebody that you know is you know we would have all seen and been aware of how Maradona was idolised in Argentina, especially last year. Um, but we all knew it anyway. Like Cruyff is no different in the Netherlands, really. You know, and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not somebody that even as you said, even if you write 298 pages of positivity, if that negative two pages get the headlines, you're putting yourself in the firing line mm. um, over there as well. You know, so there's there's a couple of ways of uh, there's a couple of reasons why it might you might think twice about it. But look, for me, it only goes to show that. Um, the fact that it did court such controversy probably means it's good especially if it isn't on the salacious side and it isn't a kind of a tabloid tell-all like let's get Cruyff it's just a proper biography of the man and this specific side of it it's quite I mean if if you can say this it was was kind of a mature Revelation. I mean, it wasn't yeah. pearl clutching or anything like that. But and it suggests it suggests the rest of the book is good to me. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's interesting. So the biographer went and watched every single minute of every single Cruyff game he could find. It's kind of a <laughs> cool thing because we the all stu- work the off stuff, the yeah. headlines, and you know, yeah. he had one revelation where there was a period where uh, Cruyff's right foot was giving him pain or was injured but he was just getting through games by playing them entirely only using his left foot <laughs> and still being magnificent and you hear things he like that and special you think, boots made at one point when he was a kid he had to have special boots made at one point when he was a really young professional because he had this like one of his toes had swollen to such a degree that it wasn't going down and treatment wasn't working so the only solution was to get these bigger boots so he was wearing wider boots than he possibly needed to have but was still able to cope but yeah the detail on like because you're talking about matches in because it's what 64 65 and he kind of breaks through into the Ajax first team and he's giving details about I'm like where is he seeing this stuff mm. is he like reading match reports that are really that detailed or is he going to YouTube but yeah there really is a lot of work put in here uh, Alka Cock is the is the name of the, the biographer uh, always on the attack is what it's been translated to in, in, in English Yeah, uh, I think I have seen it already in, in, in Eason's definitely I think it's probably knocking around town as well if anybody else looking out for it Cruyff ranks pretty high for me in terms of footballers that I kind of regret never seeing mm. you know like I, I feel like uh, I I don't remember 86 Maradona but I do remember 90 Maradona and even 94 very vividly you know it was only bursts of him but you know Pele I suppose obviously but I feel like I've seen an awful lot of Pele a lot, an awful lot more of Cruyff anyway whereas like my image of Cruyff I, I do think of the smoking Barcelona manager that's what you grew up on, you know, them sitting on the sideline, like just like <laughs> chain smoking its way through the matches and obviously creating a, a culture in one of the biggest clubs in the world. And there's a legacy in that all on, its, all on its own. But as a footballer, I feel like I've missed out on him. Yeah, know what you mean. And the other thing I found um, reading the book as well is like we also... I guess over here Mr. Jan Cruyff the TV pundit I guess it's extraordinary that you know arguably yeah. the greatest football career if you encompass managerial and playing then had a, a subsequent third act as uh, pundit where it seems and, and the biographer was even in studio with him one evening on a Champions League evening just to observe and, and write a think piece at the time or a column at the time and uh, Cruyff had every single Champions League match on and was watching all of them and digesting all of them in significant detail and then at halftime would pop up and go in and talk about the one of major Dutch interest but was really watching them all and they used to do a thing where they would uh, everybody was there the various pundits have like a mini pool on all the matches who's going to win and Cruyff always 
just, you know, destroyed them, destroyed everyone around them. So that like, was football. There's something going on there. That was football. You've often heard, you often heard uh, Dumphy talk about that with Giles. He'd say after five minutes, Giles, you'd know which way the game was going. And and he was like, he'd always be steadfast in that opinion that that was, I'm sure it wasn't every time. But uh, yeah, football men know football, Joe. Well, Cruyff news, news onions, Mick. So Podrick Carrington is with us between eight and nine. Very honest and a whole bunch of things. I was really battling, it turns out, the the good vibes in his pudding. Uh, as he won the US Open so he'll, he'll talk to us about that so that should be an interesting listen between 8 and 9 text number as ever is 53106 we're at off the ball on Twitter by the way uh, interested for your thoughts on this Richie before we get into the news round go on there was much talk obviously of penalties and GAA over the weekend I'm sure you're aware of this uh, Mick McCarthy last night just as we were wrapping up the show put forward his solution his solution and I think and I quite enjoyed the penalties I like the drama the penalties I'm not anti-penalties by any means in GA but I think uh, you made a pretty convincing argument which is essentially uh, we can when it's a high scoring game unlike soccer where you could still play another hour and it could still be nil all in a high scoring game you can do a better job of almost better maintaining the fabric of the game to decide to win you can just continue to play the sport and so your sense was either you know first team to get to three points in extra time or first team to go two points ahead a kind of sudden death thing because it's a high scoring game those solutions and others along those lines are all available to you whereas in a game of football soccer where it could stay nil all for the next three hours you just have to sell the game one way or another and I thought it is quite a convincing way of putting it to to really maintain the fabric of the game to go into like go the on, American, th- th- there are American kind of sports. It's, I'm thinking ice hockey kind of is, is the one that's jumping out at me. Probably American football does it too, where you go into like continual periods of added time until you do have a winner. But there, like, there comes a point whereby if it keeps, like, you don't want to get into a John Isner, Nicholas Mahu situation where you're still level after 52 added periods of extra time. Which is, you know, within the realms of possibility if it's if it's football. Or would that be so bad? How many extraordinary <laughs> match-saving points could we not want, you know? Can, can, I, can I just remind you of how many men were cramping up on Sunday in that Armagh goalie match with, what, 10 minutes to go? Yeah. Uh, seeing them getting into their sixth, seventh hour of heavy, intense action uh, might be a bit of a stretch for them, but I think. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's the All-Ireland final. It's the replay, because you're allowed to have a replay for the All-Ireland final, right? It's the only one that's left, right? It's Clare versus Limerick. I'm putting that forward. I'm just sneaking, sneaking that one in, right? <laughs> and it's it's double overtime or whatever we're calling it. And Tony Kelly rescues Clare with a, like a, a, an insane score from the sideline to keep things alive. Can you imagine the warrior slash gladiator headlines? It would be unprecedented. Mm. Now, I'm actually being quite glib about this. Obviously, I explained it last night. I don't think this isn't my solution. There's plenty of people have come up with it independently and said this. Like, I do think there's actually probably more support out there for penalties. And some of the texts we got in late last night actually would suggest that people just love the drama. People don't want to go to replays. People, you know, kids can understand this. And there's loads of arguments for it. I do think, though, as you kind of what got true to you last night was me just saying like there's no reason we can't just continue to play the game as the tiebreaker rather than a new game a new yeah. type of sport uh, which a penalty shootout is so that that I, I'm sticking to that uh, I'm sticking yeah. to that uh, for sure but whether I don't think it's getting true somehow um, no, I, th- I, think I think people do like the penalties people are generally happy enough with the penalties yeah, yeah. 53106 the text number you'll get us out off the ball so Formula 1 this hour Padre Carrington at 8 we're talking Cruyff after 9 the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day so Richie what's been going on 
yeah, Ian Henderson's tour of New Zealand has ended without a, a ball being kicked in anger or indeed a tackle being made. The Ulster lock suffered a knee injury in training at the weekend and the damage has been such that he's heading home for assessment. Head coach Andy Farrell has decided against calling up a replacement for now. Meanwhile, Bundyaki will captain Ireland for the first time in tomorrow's game with the Maori All Blacks. The match is taking place in Hamilton where Aki won the Super Rugby title with the Chiefs prior to joining Connacht and Aki was asked today how he found out about the captaincy. Um... <laughs> I stood there for a bit. <laughs> um, I obviously thought he was joking. <laughs> um, but no, like I said, it is a, it's a huge honour um, and it is a privilege uh, to be asked uh, by fans and to be able to lead the boys. Uh, meanwhile, uncapped Leinster pair Jimmy O'Brien and Kieran Frawley named among the backs for tomorrow morning's game. Jeremy Lockman, Joe McCarthy and Kian Prendergast will all get a first taste of international rugby in the pack. Meanwhile, the number of cases in the All Blacks camp rose to six after Crusaders fullback Will Jordan tested positive. Head coach Ian Foster is among those already isolating, resulting in Joe Schmidt taking training sessions this week and Farrell was asked what Schmidt can bring to the All Blacks camp. I mean, what can Coming into a system um, that he probably doesn't know as well, it's not his system is it? Um, so I'm sure he's just bringing his one-to-one expertise and giving advice to the coaches etc and that's uh, that's um, pretty profound, isn't it? So um, I'm sure they'll all try and learn something off him. Yeah, Joe Schmidt, New Zealand coach, me. <laughs> what a turn up! Yeah, like it is. Because <laughs> I know, like even as late as Saturday or Sunday, I was listening to something about how Joe Schmidt would not be involved in this tour. Mm. That whether he was given secret advice off or wherever his contract wasn't starting, and then this happens just to, like it just like feels like faith just wanted him involved in this and somehow just for an extra storyline going into it as if New Zealand versus Ireland for three tests wasn't big enough yeah himself and Andy Farrell were going to meet for a coffee on Thursday they're now uh, putting that on hold I think is the uh, line so the team for tomorrow it's an 8.05am kickoff Irish time Richie mentioned some of the names there Jimmy O'Brien is at 15 Jordan Larmer with the uh, well unfortunate COVID diagnosis for Mac Hansen Jordan mm. Armour I will be hoping you suspect to force himself back into a starting green jersey so he's at 14 James Hume 13 Bundiaki captains at 12 Keith Earls is yeah. on the left wing and then Kieran Frawley at 10 we weren't sure if it would be Harry Byrne or so uh, Harry, Harry Byrne's or, injured I think isn't he so okay. yeah so it's looking like Frawley um needs must in a way you know but I do think it's I actually think could work out well I think it's it's one that's worth looking at yeah, yeah. from Farrell's point of view whether he would have went with it or not um, I don't know so it's definitely that's definitely going to be an interesting one yeah. uh, this game in general like I mean what a way to start it like you know you kind of have to put out almost this second team or experimental team and, no, and it's going to be up against the Bowery Hall Blacks who are going to be brilliant yeah. you just know they are you know and you don't want to lose this game. You don't want to go into the first test kind of feeling like, oh, geez, we're in one of those tours. This, no. You know, we've seen enough of them in rugby. They have negative momentum that gathers very quickly. Get a feeling early yeah. on. Yeah, so it's Frawley at 10, Casey at 9. Sorry, I hadn't realised Harry Byrne was injured. I presume minor enough knock. So it's Frawley who gets the nod and Joey Carberry and Johnny Sexton you would think will be fighting fit for Saturday Craig Casey alongside him we will uh, review that game tomorrow and look ahead to Saturday and Wednesday Night Rugby on the show tomorrow so that's the Rugby Rich 
Yeah, the GEA Central Competitions Control Committee was due to meet today to examine Sunday's All-Ireland quarterfinal clash of Galway and Armagh. Central to their investigations will be the outgouging on, on Damien Comer by Tiernan Kelly. The former Orchard County star Oshie McConville has revealed that Kelly has already reached out to Galway to apologise. Meanwhile, Galway are to appeal the red card shown to Captain Sean Kelly after that sideline brawl. Yeah, slight hamstring strain for Harry Byrne. I was googling frantically there. I could sense you were as well, and you were suddenly you were doubting yourself. You were doubting yourself very seriously. I was ready to call myself out there as having dreamt about Harry Byrne's injury, but I, I did hear it somewhere. Yeah. yeah, slight hamstring injury. So uh, Richie's story there about the GACCCC due to meet today to try and examine Sunday. The Armagh situation is less urgent, I suppose, in that there's the eye gouging situation, and then there's whoever else is in trouble and. Uh, that's not really going to affect an All-Ireland semi-final. For Galway, on the other hand, they're appealing Sean Kelly. And then what are you anticipating the CCCC will do about the, I don't know, 13-odd Galway players who were generally involved or in that general area? I feel like Sean Kelly has to get off, first of all, because again, we talked about it last night, I just I feel like he was the peacekeeper. And if being involved or being in there is an offence in itself, fair enough, but I think we have to be realistic about it. But is, and, is, and I agree with you, but... Is being involved an offence in and of itself? Well, that's... Like contributing so, so, to a so, so this is what... I haven't checked the rules, but this is what the GEA told the Sunday game when they requested information as to why Kelly and Nugent were the yeah. two that were sent off. They, were, they, they said... Because they were... The captain's rumour was going around, you know, yeah. that they were sent off for being captains. Yeah. Um, the terrible crime of being captain. But they said that they were both sent off for contributing to a melee. That was, I think the, yeah. the wording is as close to that as being... Uh, um, uh, not relevant if it isn't those exact words uh, so you so follow that through to its logical conclusion they were part of the melee as in they were in it but I mean they weren't contributing to it if you wanted to put it that way I mean I, I, if, I was, if I was part of Sean's, Sean Galley's legal team I'd say he wasn't contributing to it he was trying to uh, he was trying to uh, uh, stop make. it to be honest like you know and you can see that in everywhere everything that, that Kelly's in again Nugent's probably as innocent as well I just I can't can't pick him out in the yeah. in the footage I've seen whereas Kelly's very prominent I don't, in the middle of it I want Sean Kelly to get off here but yeah. did I saw Sean Kelly push someone push someone yeah is that not contributing to Malie I don't know what I, again what I saw him was was just trying to calm everything no, down no, he constantly pushed, he put, and he then when, the when he was brought gouging. out of it he was brought out he was like you know yeah, mentioning he, the eye gouge but then he pushed that person who yeah. then pushed him back Ah, shoved them slightly. That's that's hard like, work. It's a suspension, is it? Like, I don't think it is worth. I don't think he ever escalated. Now, here's the other thing. Like, who did? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't studied it to see. It's not necessary. Like, again, there is that weird dichotomy between like we do want these, we do want these things taken seriously enough that relevant bans are given out in a way that discourages this kind of nonsense. That for whatever reason in the heat of the moment, in the most intense of, uh, you know, both physical and mental tiredness, yeah. they seem, this just seems to erupt. And it seems to happen in Gaelic football over any sport. I know we had the hurling incident with with, Cor- with Clare and Limerick, but in terms of malaise that you can think of in, in GA history, it's mainly in football. So whatever reason that is, we do want to kind of punish it in a way that stamps it out. However, if a load of Galway players were just in a load of pushing and shoving and there was one incident that stuck out and made it hashtag disgraceful, that wasn't the Galway player. Do we really need them missing a semi-final? So I, I actually don't know is the truth. I don't know whether we need to go really hard and ruin the All-Ireland semi-final 
because a load of lads were pushing and shoving. Yeah. In what felt somewhat normal until it escalated into the point of madness by one act. Yes, I agree with you. Okay. And yeah, I'm just uh, being pedantic about it from the CCCC point of view and saying, well, contributing to a melee, if that's quote unquote the charge. Yeah. Then they're all guilty. Yeah, that's true. I just don't think that... What's the point of the rule? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But like, I mean, you're asking the wrong person there. Like, I mean... do we have such a problem with the disciplinary structure, appeals process, wording of the rules, and that everybody accepts it? And there's there is like the conversation, like constant conversation here that's fairly re- fair about you know teams need to take responsibility as well and stop appealing everything and saying will we get off? Is that's it worthy of a red card? It might not happen, but in this case. Galway a right to appeal and yet we still will see if he gets off we'll still see that oh why does a referee ever send anybody off a GA it's pointless everybody gets off you know so we'll still see those kind of headlines that don't look into it so I don't know I'm very conflicted by the whole thing I have to say I don't don't know what they're going to do the CCCC really because if they suspend any Galway player for a semi-final guaranteed serious heavyweight appeal incoming yeah, and probably the support generally of the nation, you know, which I think does factor into these things as well. Yeah, but yeah, the want nation here. wants want blood as well, though. Like there is a kind of there's two two sides to it. Like, I think what you want here is transparency. Like that's ultimately the best that the CCCC can do in this instance, because how often have we seen like uh, disciplinary procedures? basically cloaked in secrecy we don't know when they're taking place we don't know who's appearing in front of whom Mm. and you know what are the reasons for such and such a ban there needs to be literal like you know note and paragraph explanations of who has been banned for what here and why and for how long and not this we're hearing that such and such might get a 12 week ban and that might be knocked down to six like that has to stop that really has to stop yeah. that's something that the GA has to look at themselves the point I was going to make though was there's seven games left this season right three, uh, four in football including the Talchard Cup final and three in hurling okay yeah. is now the time for a mad revamp of hardcore disciplinary procedures mm. you know is it the end of the year and a very much a, we are starting 2023 with these rules in place and we're going hard and no matter if people miss games so be it and it might even be unfair and we had texters last night talking about the AFL clamping down on fighting mm. and doing it by suspending high profile players for high profile games you know I don't think you can do that now in the middle of a season but there are also so many precedents there's yeah. now uh, such a body of work over the past number of years well he got off for that yeah. precedent so that applies to us whereas also. if you have a new rule book yes yeah. I think so because I don't know if this is true or not which is never uh, your producer of the show <laughs> I'm sure here, this Joe. is, <laughs> <start> here. <laughs> this is never how you want someone to start next one. <laughs> uh, I, I want to clarify but someone I would really trust uh, told me that a player got off by going into a hearing and speaking a fairly um, uh, not a commonly spoke language and mm. nowhere in the rule book did it say that like you have to speak in English <laughs> and therefore well Esperanto <laughs> but well, sure. you, well, you know that rumour like off you're arrested and they can't arrest you in Irish you get off that kind of business you Anthony know? Daly this, told like us your friend who, yeah, go on. sorry Anthony Daly told a story two weeks ago on his podcast about when he was Dublin manager and uh, it must have been John Costello who was with him the, the Dublin County Secretary and uh, went to a hearing to get somebody off had a good case he thought you know was ready to go had the whole thing ready to go turned up was practising his lines and I presume Costello walked out and goes come on he's off they spelled his name wrong in Irish 
Really? That's that's what Daly says. Whether it's a story or it's apocryphal or not, I don't know. But yeah. that that everybody laughed at that story, but they don't not believe it because we've all heard them over the years. Sure, like I mean, right or wrong about the 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 Claire situation and and and. And Fatty in Galway like the reason they were let off was a farce like you know what I mean a rule that they changed the following week yeah well I'll, I'll investigate what I was told by someone I do trust we'll just officially ask the GA like if someone I'm not going to give the language but just someone say someone went in and said I'm, I'm giving my defence in Portuguese and if you can't understand it then that's on you <laughs> so they could be saying anything is that possible do you believe that? I don't I don't I don't no. know I feel like it would have got out I told the person I don't believe you <laughs> And they say, well, look, that's on you. So anyway, who knows? But I guess the fact that we're even talking in this way suggests that the GEA disciplinary situation needs a root and branch reform. Um, so we'll see. Best of luck, CCCC, on this Galway situation. We'll bring you updates when they come in, naturally. Where do you want to go next, Rich? Uh, SW19, Serena Williams is back playing singles tennis for the first time in exactly a year and true to form, she was broken in her first game, she's taken on Harmony Tan uh, of France there, she's currently 2 love down in the first set is Serena, earlier top seed Iga Sviantek stretched her unbeaten run to 36 matches by beating Yana Fett in straight sets Petra Gavidova and Coco Goff both had to come from a set down before beating their respective opponents, Jasmine Paulini and Elena Gabriela Ruza and their straight sets wins today for both Paolo Pedosa the fourth seed and Maria Sakari who's seeded fifth. Uh, Rafa Nadal had a bit of a wobble today. He was two sets to love up. He lost the third set to Francisco. Uh, his name's gone from in front of me. Uh, Serendulo, there you go, of Argentina. Uh, Serendulo won the third set and was 4-1 up in the fourth. But uh, Rafa rattled off four games in a row to take the match. Last year's beaten finalist Matteo Berrettini became the second seed, forced to withdraw today. The Italian tested positive for COVID-19 ahead of his scheduled first round match with Christian Garin. Marin Cilic had to do the exact same thing last night. Former finalist Grigor Dimitrov, seeded 18 this year, had to retire hurt from his first round match with Steve Johnson. Uh, Stefano City passed me while he is two sets to uh, love up on Alexander Richard of Switzerland at the moment. That's it on court number one. Mm. Uh, texting on your uh, solution, Mick, or one of your solutions for uh, f- uh, finishing a GA match. How about hockey-style penalties where the man gets the ball from halfway and has 30 seconds to beat the goalie? Again, I, I don't see why. <laughs> I don't see why you wouldn't. Again, the, the, uh, my option is continue to play Gaelic football and hurling. Yeah. Their other options are let's find interesting ways to have a one-on-one competition. And you know, also we have points in 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 GA. Like I mean, the, the it didn't it's, work it's, for some it, reason. I don't think we should. I don't. Oh, sorry, you mean point kicking yeah. like forty fives? No, I don't think so. It's just it's it's one. It's just a little small bugbear with me of uh, penalties. Is like why would. It, I'm not saying it should count equal to a goal, but why would it not count at all? Why did the referee? Why did the umpire wave uh, Campbell's uh, penalty wide when it went over the bar? So you're saying Galway should win the know. penalties? I, I don't know. Four what I'm one saying. one. I'm being I'm being very nonsensical here for this one. I don't agree with the uh, Texter's idea though. Could be a policy of like take your points points in the penalties. <laughs> take your points, yeah. Just I'd hope. So. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a ridiculous way to go about things. Like let's face it, but you know if you were one up at the end. Yeah, you know, tap it over for the win. Come here, tell me. Do you prefer, in your idea, do you prefer say first to three points, be that a goal or otherwise, or do you prefer first to get two points in front? I think I think the first to two points, uh, the, the a two point lead, two point lead. Or I'm not madly against next score wins. The ball is thrown in the midfield. I did say to you last night, though, and I stand by it. Yeah, you will see the most cynical fouling of your life. Like it will, it will, it will take the thing into a swamp. 
yeah. if anyone crosses the 65 they'll get hauled down straight away yeah that you need to be that's an unintended consequence but it will actually be the most unsatisfactory unsavoury finish to any match you well can then we, we need more Reno Neils to be able to uh, remember Dublin Mayo a couple of years ago yeah just all of them from the kick out all dragged down it would be that we need more Reno Neils I, I grant you in a preview of Euro 88 to somebody I remember Cruyff genuinely expressing admiration for and warning about Ireland because we were so clear in how we wanted to play and it was different not what I expected from one of the more, most skillful players ever is the text in but also one of the most innovative football people of all time so that, that would make sense Rich do you want to give us a last story? Do you know what, Joe? I'll bring you some golf because there's some breaking news from the uh, the world of the Live Golf PGA Tour DP World Tour uh, scrap, essentially, in that the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour have strengthened their, uh, I guess, cooperation and uh, unveiled a groundbreaking, they call it, 13-year operational joint venture going up until 2035, uh, which will see prize funds and commercial revenue benefit to the entire range, they say, of the, uh, the golfing landscape. The DP World Tour is going to guarantee growth an annual prize fund to its membership for the next five years and all of that is part of their new collaboration uh, they say with the PGA Tour building on their strategic alliance so yeah they're fighting fire with fire ahead of the uh, the Portland venture for Live Golf yeah. which is uh, getting underway in terms of press conferences around about now as well Interesting kind of feel they're on a hiding to nothing Yeah, I mean if we go into an arms race the Saudis have more money so what are you going to do uh, as we begin to wrap this up by the way do you know what's it just jumped to my mind so we didn't touch on the cricket at all mm. Ireland India at the moment in the T20 I think isn't it T20 series yeah yeah so uh, Jer Siggins had a piece in the Sunday Independent which kind of blew my mind so Ireland here playing in the cricket against India is getting very little coverage here and he was saying that like an Indian Premier League match gets 660 million people watching each match mm-hmm. and that the Ireland-India matches are going to, in just India alone, get 220 million people and it's been sold in another 70 countries. Like the most watched sport, Irish sports people by a distance this week are the Irish cricketers. Yeah. Sold out today as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually. I think there was like 8,000 tickets or something sold yeah. today. Like yeah. So that's, like it's it's not, it might not be getting a huge amount of uh, media coverage or attention, but there is a, there is an audience there for it. It's great that that's sold out and it's like to co- see one of the best teams in the world. But yeah, There's no yeah. 220 million. And no, of course not, of course not. It's, there's not <laughs> really insane. too much comparison there. <laughs> but we sold 8,000 tickets. Yeah, but that's not nothing. There's not many, like we don't sell, sell 8,000 tickets for that many things like <laughs> for something a half four on a Tuesday after half four on a Tuesday half four on a Tuesday yeah well done to the Irish cricketers how did they get on they're not doing too bad they actually started alright I was kind of saying they had an impossible task because India made 225 for 7 from their 20 overs I was like well that's not going to happen uh, but they made a decent fist of it they were trucking along nicely inside the first 5-6 uh, overs or so things have slowed with a couple of wickets they're 141 for 3 so they need 85 runs from 39 balls they're just under 2 runs and over short of their uh, required run rate not impossible but then again they're not shaming themselves out there at the moment so uh, they're going to put in a decent fist and that's what they asked to do going into this match that they wanted to close the gap a little bit further than their game at the end and it's like very good fellas we're out of time Richie thank you nice and lads Nate McCarthy thank you cheers